The following program was made possible by the generosity of those who have determined to hold fast to the true Roman Catholic religion, as expounded by the Roman Catholic Church before the disasters of Vatican II and the so-called New Mass. Hello and welcome to What Catholics Believe. I'm your host, Thomas Nagley. With me tonight, Father William Jenkins. He is a traditional Catholic priest and member of the Society of St. Pius V. He's also the pastor of Immaculate Conception Church right here in Norwood, Ohio. Hello, Father. How are you? Very fine, Tom. Thank you. Yourself? Doing well. Thanks for being yeah, here. Absolutely. Glad to be here. Yeah. Joining uh, Father, Father Jenkins and myself is our uh, WCB legal correspondent, Mr. Tom Condit, a uh, very accomplished pro-life attorney and friend of the program. Mr. Condit, how are you? Thank you for not calling me an expert. There we go. I did do okay. <laughs> No pressure now. Okay. Uh, well, Mr. Condit, I'll start with you because Father Jenkins and I just, just briefly touched on this subject in our, our most recent program, but... Uh, as far as the, the mask mandates uh, that, that we've seen in, in response to the COVID-19 uh, crisis and pandemic that, that we're faced with, uh, what, is, what is your reaction to this? You know, we, we here in Cincinnati, in our, our hometown here in this area, we had a, few, a matter of days ago, a Cincinnati City Council came out with this uh, kind of mask mandate that required uh, everyone to be masked if they were in public uh, areas uh, within the, the city limits. and. There were certain uh, certain limitations to this mandate, but a, a matter of days after that happened, Governor DeWine came out with his own mandate for certain hotspot counties, Hamilton County being one of them, Hamilton County, Cincinnati. Um, so the the two the two uh, mandates kind of had some differences. Um, so I guess first of all, how do, how do you make sense of this? Uh, which which mandate is which mandate takes precedence? Uh, should we be following the the city of Cincinnati one, or should we be following Governor DeWine's uh, 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 mandate that he proposed for the uh, for the counties? Um, so what is, what is your reaction to that? And just in general, what what is the deal with all of this? mask uh, right. mandates, the masking of America, it's been called. How do you react to right. all of that? Well, the third option is not follow either. Yeah, okay. You can give me that one, but okay. that's, that's a pretty popular one, I yeah. think, out there. Well, in Ohio, uh, it, it is an interesting question, because in Ohio, it's called what's a home rule state, okay. which uh, is a principle in the, I believe it's in the Ohio Constitution, that lets us uh, local governments, uh, you know, pass laws and, and have regulations and things that are different from state law, okay. or, or in some cases could could be inconsistent with state law. And the home rule principle says the local, the lo unless they're like in direct conflict with state law, mm. the local uh, rules and regulations can govern. So um, I've thought all along that the more restrictive of the two is going to govern. So if um, uh, typically if 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 Dewine the governor issues a statewide mandate, I don't expect that he would allow local governments to to go lighter than that. Okay. Now, so, but enforceability is really the question. And we've had, we've had the, the sheriff uh, of an adjoining county. Butler County. Butler County. Yeah. And then we've had the Cincinnati police chief, right. if I understand yep. right, yep. both say, we're not enforcing this. We just don't have the mad power. This yeah. is not what we do and we're not going to do it. Yeah. So it may be widely unenforceable. I think the punch behind, as a practical matter, before really answering your question, 
I think the punch behind it is going to be that a lot of the businesses will enforce it. They'll feel like under under the city of Cincinnati's ordinance or, or, or Governor Wine's edict, uh, they're going to have to make sure people have masks in the stores. And, you know, they're not. Uh, it'll be uh, the interesting thing is the conflict of interest for the businesses yeah. because they're going to be driving away customers. Right. And as so many liberal uh, politicians don't seem to understand, people vote with their feet. Right. They. And so I think the adjoining counties that don't have these restrictions are going to be getting a lot of business <clears throat> from from the counties that do. And in the end, some some of the politicians will say, oops, look what we just did to hurt. We're not going to carry any votes in that county anymore. You know, I mean, they never think of this, apparently, pol politically. But my my reaction to the mask thing, again, on a more legal or constitutional level, is that it's an unbelievably oppressive thing. And the argument has been made, and I think it's a good one, that it's even a... Uh, it's a First Amendment problem that wearing a mask sends a message. And they can, they've even quoted some of the political people, some of the media people saying, mm -hmm. you know, you send a message that you care when you wear a mask. You care about your fellow man. Mm -hmm. For the people who aren't buying into a lot of the, uh, the, the so-called signs, I mean, we all care for our fellow man, hopefully, but... For the people who are like, oh, no, that's not a message I want to send because it's a phony message. And therefore, you're forcing me to literally engage in a form of speech that I don't believe in. So that's a, that's a one question. But I think the bigger one, the one, the issue that I don't think has really played out in a courtroom yet anywhere I've seen uh, is really a challenge to the medicine allegedly behind all of this. A lot of the court challenges we've seen have been about unequal treatment, you know, or, or kind of an irrational distinction between one business or another that mm -hmm. somebody feels like, hey, if they can open, why can't we open? And a lot of those have been successful because they've not been really rational uh, distinctions made. And but, but there's not really been a barn burning case about science. And what I'm waiting for, what I think the country cries out for, and I think this mask issue gives an opportunity to do it, is to say, okay, this, there's, again, most laws, if they're depriving people of their rights or treating people unequally, um, there's got to be, a, at a minimum, the lowest standard under the Equal Protection Clause, for example, is there has to be a rational basis for the distinction. And then it gets stronger, higher burdens from there. But... Um, I think the medicine probably would show there's not even a rational basis for the mask requirement. And one of the reasons is you've got a lot of medical experts saying masks are harmful to, to a lot of people. They're not healthy. Yeah. We need our oxygen. We don't need to breathe in our carbon dioxide. <laughs> we need oxygen. Yeah. And and I think that that's just a very superficial comment coming from somebody who's no scientist. But... Um, I think the, the, the state of the affairs here in this country cries out for a challenge to the fundamental issue of masks, bring in medical experts to go right up against whatever science these governors claim they're relying on and really make the case that A, masks don't prevent the spread of the virus, B, and I want to get to this in a minute with something I brought, we do want the spread of the virus. We want that herd immunity, right? <laughs> this is what we want to a point. 
and and um, and three masks can actually be harmful to people and therefore you weigh all the pros and cons this whole idea of making everyone wear masks there's not even medicine that supports it and i'd love for that to play out in a courtroom with medical experts <laughs> and, and make the and subpoena the fauci's of the world in mm -hmm. and put them under oath and really cross-examine them hard on the medicine yeah. And I think the government cases and most of these things will just fall apart. Yeah. Well, you ask what what science the, the left is depending on. I know, I know just a matter of days ago, there was a, a video of Bill Nye, the beloved science guy, <laughs> a short video of him that was going around the Internet uh, where he was demonstrating the... Uh, the effectiveness of a mask and how it works, I guess. Um, so I guess that, that's your answer. There's our science, Bill Nye, science guy. <laughs> he's but not a scientist. He's not, right. he's not a scientist. He's an engineer. <laughs> right, right. Yeah. Same if, if that, but I guess, Father Jenkins, how, to Tom's question, how do you, how do you deal with this in a world where there is, there is so much um, just irrationality out there? Uh, you know, he's, he's asking about the, the science behind it. Well, we know that, um, there, there's been a real lack of science and 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 everything because these people are our government, our leaders. They're not rational um, so so often. So how do you even begin to have a kind of rational discussion with someone who is irrational or even worse? Have you said before they're anti-rational? Well, Tom, the the irrationality and the anti-rationality about it is is one issue. The other is duplicity, just out and out, yeah. honest to goodness duplicity, and uh, you know. The way the medical uh, experts, so-called, like death by expert, you know, have handled this, has really undermined a lot of people's confidence in uh, in their ability to speak. You know, we we hit over the head with science, the science, follow the science. You've got to follow the science, and if you don't do what we say, it's because you're not accepting the science of it. You're rejecting the science of it. Well, go back to the 1800s. Who was it who was talking about? This, uh, the idea now we have scientific socialism. <clears throat> now we have scientific socialism now. So that makes it all the difference. See? Before we didn't have scientific socialism. Now it's, now it's scientific, so now it's right. Now it's like dogmatically true. You know? It was Karl Marx, right? He's the first one to be hitting people over the head with this idea of scientific socialism. And so every charlatan in history who wants to uh, make an impression, right, he appeals to science. <clears throat> the snake oil salesmen, right? The, the, the guys with the wagons out in the West, they were all lecturing people on the science of this magic elixir and why it's going to deliver you from everything from gout to uh, just make you live forever, you know, whatever. And um, they, 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 they touted the science and it was a bunch of baloney, okay? Uh, complete malarkey. Um, and people you know, at first might buy into it, but they, they eventually figure it out that this fellow is, is not honest. Uh, he's a con artist, okay? Not a scientist. And uh, I think people are getting beginning to get this idea. You mentioned Fauci now. <clears throat> you mentioned Anthony, Anthony Fauci. I mean, the message at first was masks don't help. Don't worry about masks, okay? But he says that he's, he says now that he said that then because after all, there weren't enough masks. We wanted the medical personnel to have them because they really do help. They are important. But that's, in other words, he said he lied. Yeah. He just says, he bald-faced lied to everybody. Okay. Because we wanted to make sure that whatever mask we had went to the, went to the medical personnel dealing with this, uh, in the, in the hospitals and the, and the wards. 
<clears throat> now, he would have known that he was going out with China because he's in big with China, right? Uh, he's the one who arranged the $3.6, $3.7 million uh, grant to the Wuhan lab in China to do, to do research, which, which was forbidden here on gain of function on, the, on these viruses. So he is big on China and big in China. He would have known that all our masks went to China, that China was buying up all of our, uh, you know, PBEs. Uh, protective equipment, you know, for, for the doctors. So he was very well aware of that. And yet he's telling people here, don't wear masks, they, they don't help you. <clears throat> okay. But he, he certainly lost credibility with me when, when somebody asked him about the idea of having a romantic tryst when we're supposed to be social distancing <laughs> and wearing the mask. <clears throat> he says, well, if you do that and you can't social distance if you're having this romantic tryst, wear a mask. If you're not going to wear a mask, well, you're on your own. Take your chances. <clears throat> this is his answer. This, this great medical expert now is advising people on this. And I thought, this man has no credibility whatsoever. Mm -hmm. And yet he's the one who's like the great medical expert mm -hmm. guiding the world here, mm -hmm. or at least guarding the United States of America. I can't imagine why anybody would put him in front of in front of the country and say, hey, this man knows what he's talking about. We have to follow him on this. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, then, then he goes down to the point where he says, no, we have to wear masks. And he's back and forth on, on all these issues. From one week to the next, he's contradicting himself left and right. And uh, unfortunately, uh, I think he's, he's really... Uh, leading people down the primrose path. I, I, the, um, then you have Dr. Burks, by the way, uh, who at one point is on record as saying publicly that she doesn't believe anything that comes out of the CC, CDC, the uh, Center for Disease Control, doesn't believe anything that comes out of the CDC. And here she is standing up with Dr. Fauci on the, on the same podium with the, the leader of the, the, the Center for Disease Control. They, they don't even have any confidence, confidence in each other, for that matter. So, um, Tom, the, the, the problem we're dealing with here uh, really is a problem of credibility. And uh, we're in the middle of this, what you called a crisis, uh, this uh, pandemic, but it really is pandemonium. It, it's just uh, out of control. We don't know who we can believe. But we're hearing voices that seem to be very consistent, thoughtful voices who are telling us that what we're being ordered to do by the politicians is very damaging to our health and is actually the worst thing that we can do. They're actually coming out, there are steady medical voices who are actually legitimate medical voices. I'm not a doctor, okay? But these people are credentialed. They have places of authority and uh, positions of leadership in the medical field in our country in the universities and so on, they're speaking out very, very forcefully and saying, look, what we're being commanded to do here is actually damaging to our health. Mm -hmm. And uh, so we have to stop this because we are making it much worse. And when they're talking about this second wave now, and so on, and now, uh, you know, Antonio Fauci comes out, Anthony Fauci comes out and said, well, it's not a second wave, it's still the first wave. <clears throat> Even coming out so far and saying, well, it's true that the, the rate, the death rate is going down. The de as the number of cases reported is rising, he says, uh, you know, dramatically, the number of deaths is dropping at the same time. The absolute number of deaths is dropping, 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 because more and more cases involve young people, and they're not affected that badly by it, uh, not unto death. But he says, that's, that's bad news. 
So it's bad news that this, this virus is not killing as many people <laughs> as it was. So I'm sorry, but, you know, we begin to realize that uh, there's something going on here. Mm -hmm. And I do believe it really is a matter of politicians using this simply to control. For more and more control, they're not going to let go of this power that they, they've got. And if, if that's the case, Father, should we, be, should we be complying with these orders? To what extent should we be? Well, there's a fifth commandment that forbids you to do things that are damaging to your health. You know? But the problem is they can make it more damaging to your health if you don't do what they say. Yeah. Uh, more damaging than complying with what they say if they can take you and put you in jail over it and do other things. I mean... Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> that can be very adverse to your health too, fining you and so on. So it's it's not only that they've got you over the barrel when they have the lockdown and people are being, uh, uh, you know, confined to quarters, uh, and, and actually, uh, you know, thrown to the ground because they're not wearing masks, right? As has happened, people actually being, and and talk about violations of social distancing yeah. when you have five. Uh, police officers who are ordered to, you know, do this by their mayor, you know, mm -hmm. and a police chief to actually accost somebody to assault them, basically, because they're not wearing a mask. Um, and, uh, you know, that can be bad for your health, too. So uh, it, it's, a, it's a real conundrum for people these days. Yeah. But I, I would say to the extent that uh, we have a right to self-defense, I think, uh, you know, what Mr. Condit is saying here is, yeah, we, we should mount some kind of a legal challenge to these things, I, I believe. I, I think we have an obligation to do so for the benefit of, not only of ourselves, but our, our, the people who depend on us in our entire country. I'm expecting something to come down fairly soon and somewhere in Ohio challenging some of this. I've Really? Got, I've got my own family members suggesting <laughs> I should do it. I'm, I'm going to wait and <laughs> see who else does it. But I, wa I wanted to pick up on f something Father said because there, there's two things that bother me because I'm the low-end science guy. I've always bragged about how low-end I am on science. But some things are obviously not science. And there's some ways that the government has been overtly just really misleading or outright lying about some things as it just gets drummed out by that by that propaganda machine of the mainstream media all the time. And it's so frustrating to know, to see how much the truth is obviously not coming out mm -hmm. and how it really does mislead a lot of people. But there are two things. One is, well, the more I hear the death totals, now we all know they're cooking the books on the death totals. And, and, and it's been, not only was it CDC guidelines, but again and again, I've watched government officials on YouTube videos. So this isn't just reading articles. This is watching people live talk about what, and they ad admit, and I'm thinking specifically about the health director of the state of Illinois, um, I actually trans took the time to transcribe it and couldn't find it before I came here tonight, but it's on paper somewhere in my house. This, uh, and, uh, this lady took the stand, took the podium from the governor in response to a question about how they were classifying COVID deaths. And she said three different ways, each one more candid and more specific, that if someone dies having tested positive for the COVID virus, that is classified as a COVID death. Even if, and she said this literally and specifically like this two, two or three times, even if the COVID virus had nothing to do with cause of death, 
it's still classified as COVID death. Mm-hmm. Now, now in a courtroom, if you had to prove in a courtroom that something caused to 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 make the case that anything caused a death, I mean, you you are to classify it as a death. You would have to prove by a standard known as reasonable medical probability that A caused B, mm-hmm. that the virus caused the death. Overtly, our public officials have completely abandoned anything that would be just normal cause and effect analysis. And they said, if, so if they have the virus, it's a COVID death no matter what they died from. And this lady even said if someone was, was given two weeks to live for some ailment, a respiratory ailment, and was in hospice preparing to die, and if that person was tested positive for the COVID virus, that would be a COVID death. Well, you know, Tom, there, there are a couple of things that are important here. One is that hospitals are paid more. They get more money for having treated a COVID patient who died. They get more money for that. If they get them on a ventilator, they get more money for that. And 96% of them that go on the ventilator die, okay? So they're killing them. Uh, sad to say, uh, there are nurses who've come out and say they're actually killing these people by putting them on ventilators. That's right. They don't want them on the CPAP machine because that, those expel air into the, into, the, into the room. They want the ventilator because it keeps them closed up and doesn't let anything escape them, okay? But the ventilator will kill them. Right. They ramp them up to the, extra, the maximum setting and that actually starts destroying the lungs. The other thing is this, though. Uh, a medical doctor told me that it's a lot easier for doctors simply to write COVID-19 because otherwise they have to explain or account for the death due to other causes. And if you, if you, if you put down COVID-19 as the cause of death, that's it. That answers all questions. There are no further questions, right. okay? So the doctor said basically it's a matter of laziness or even trying to conceal maybe uh, failure on the part of the medical personnel. Yeah. So, yeah, they can get away a lot. They cover a lot with that. Yeah, I want to be on that. I, I was listening to one of the more prominent conservative talk shows mm-hmm. uh, on talk radio in America. His, his name would be well known to, to many. I won't say who it was. But he had a caller call in, I believe, from the state of West Virginia. And he had that, he sounded like just a down-home boy, you know. And he called in and referred to a relative, older mother or grandmother who had died. And said, the hospital people came to me and said, we'll pay you $1,000 if we can list this as a COVID death. Now, all right, that's called talking radio. You can take it for what it's worth. Mm -hmm. But I believe the guy was making a genuine call Mm -hmm. to address the topic being talked about to say, look, this wasn't even a COVID death. And you know what? So I I think of my understanding from the early on, I've heard it from many sources. If they take a COVID patient into a hospital, they get $13,000. Hey, if a family will take a thousand, that's a twelve thousand dollar profit on yeah. false pretenses. Mm-hmm. Now that's absolutely scandalous if that is happening. Well, funeral directors in New York, is, I saw that too. Yeah, I saw that too. Now, the speaking other, about it. The, the other thing I want to say, other than phonying up the the, the the death statistics, is what we're hearing now with the daily, hourly drum of the propaganda of the rising, ripping through the country, record-setting days of new coronavirus cases. 
And I hear the word new cases, and I, I've said to myself, that's a two-word phrase, new case. And I think most of the time when they say that, there's two lies. <laughs> because first, I don't think, what they're generating all this testing, they're encouraging all this mm -hmm. testing. And I don't, now I could be wrong if I don't understand the testing, but I think some of the testing shows a positive COVID-19 test, and, and there's nothing new about it. They might have been carrying this for months, right? Mm -hmm. not, and they've never been symptomatic. Yeah. So A, it's not new. That's lie number one. Two, it's not a case, because mm -hmm. they're not even sick. It's nothing. It's mm -hmm. not a case. Mm -hmm. But it's a new case. Two lies. Okay, mm -hmm. just because, so they're encouraging more testing. Mm -hmm. And now they're, of course, getting more positives, which is all great news because it shows how many people aren't affected by it at all. Mm -hmm. And instead of that being great news, this is a reason to shut everything down again. Yeah. So they have the SARS-2 virus in their system, but they don't have the disease, COVID-19. They don't have the disease because right. they have no symptoms. Right. Well, I've also been told and I believe this is true based on the sources of it, of what I've been told, is that if somebody goes for multiple tests and he, he's uh, repeatedly tested, that they count each one of those as a separate case, right? They, that separate number to add up. But also if somebody tests positive, they actually uh, count out by tracing how many people that person has actually been living with. And they say they are probable cases also and throw those into the mix as well. <laughs> so by the time you're done with this, I mean, look, they're saying in, in Texas now, they're, they're saying that um, the uh, intensive care units are filling up, okay? And they're filling up, they say, with COVID-19 patients, okay? But trying to make us think, oh my goodness, you know, the, the, uh, the, the situation has arrived that they were warning us about where this has got out of control now. The fact is, though, that they cleared the hospitals of everything else back when, right? A couple of months ago, so that all the beds basically were going to be waiting for these massive, uh, this massive influx of COVID patients. Now we're beyond that. They've actually filled the hospitals with people who are actually sick with other things. And now you have the COVID-19 patients are just in addition to that. It's not as though they're filling the hospital, as we were told originally they would, and overflow the hospital. It's just that they've actually begun getting back to practicing medicine again. So you have, you know, the 20% beds or whatever that are, that is free, that they like to leave a little bit of cushion, and they're filling up that. But they haven't really overflowed it yet. They're just within, well, in some states, maybe within 5 or 4% of filling all the beds they have. So, you know, the idea that uh, the, this, this tsunami or this tidal wave of COVID-19 uh, cases of people who are, who are uh, in extremis is uh, <laughs> simply not there. It's not happening there. But they have to drive this in order to continue the drumbeat and keep the fear there. Yeah. Uh, force and fear. I mean, these are the two things that Father Frederick Becker, the Marinol missionary who <clears throat> served in China when it was taken over by Mao Zedong and his communists. <clears throat> Father Frederick Becker, and in fact, I'd like to make that available on our uh, What Catholics Believe website so people can actually hear his speech um, today because they can apply it to today. But he says that communists rely on force and fear to control people. And uh, it's not just 
fear. It's fear of force, really. The two of them go together. Yeah. <clears throat> and here we have the situation now where they're, they're getting this fear out there. They've got to keep driving this fear in people. And uh, <clears throat> then it, it seems peculiar because we've had both of these manifest themselves back to back. The fear with the virus and the force with the rioting that is out of control. Right. And make people afraid of what's happening. So I, um, I, I, I do believe we're in the middle of a, of a, of a kind of a revolution here, but the revolution is, is uh, particularly evil, particularly sinister because of those who are driving it. It's being driven from within. Right, and I hate to dare be political, but as I've been, I feel like Texas and Florida have been the two states in the news as really going badly now. Mm -hmm. And I just have to suspect that maybe because they're both conservative governors, mm -hmm. Republican, Repo conservative Republican governors who who opened more quickly and took a more conservative approach to everything. Mm -hmm. um, I, I just have to believe that that's why suddenly we're hearing these horror stories coming out of those mm -hmm. two states, which we know are distorted or just completely untrue. Mm. And it just circles back to, to the extent that citizens, the conservative citizens, the resistors on this are going to be attacked for being conspiracy theorists and everything else. Hey, look, it's simple to the government. Quit lying. Mm -hmm. Quit lying to us. When the lies are so obvious, why would we believe anything that you tell us? But, but Tom, look at the lying that has been going on behind abortion. Right. Of course. And uh, behind the LGBTQ and all the other stuff, uh, lie, lies upon lies upon lies. The lie sells. I mean, the media, right? Let's face it. I mean, many of them are just professional. This is, this is, uh, they couple with the, with the politicians again. Right. And, and on top of that, I mean, the American people have gotten so used to lying politicians. And uh, unfortunately today, I, I think also pretty much lying media, mm -hmm. that it's almost accepted as a common, a standard operating procedure for politicians and media personalities to lie. So the American people just sort of almost give them a pass. Well, they're lying. Well, of course they're lying. They're politicians, right? Yeah. We don't expect anything more of them than that. And uh, this is really sad because it takes away it takes away all the incentive to be honest, you know. It's just that everybody accepts that we lie, and it works. So, uh, you know, keep lying. Right. It's getting us what we want. Uh, sad to say, I mean, we one of our entire our, our major political parties in the in the country here is built in an entire platform and platform on lies. And they have gained uh, a lot on this. You know, they paved the way for their political careers over the the, uh, the bodies of aborted babies. You know, on the on the idea that uh, well, first of all, these weren't human. But anyway, they, they, you know, again, it goes back to the science, right? Again, the the, the falsification of science is uh, is uh, probably the, the big lie of our own day right right okay could i i brought some with me i kind of i want what, to what you have there is yeah. very important could, yeah cause i really I, I i just saw this or it was an internet story yesterday and by a doctor of a column really and it linked to two of his previous columns yeah about mask about COVID 19 about mass and mm -hmm. and we were talking before we we started uh filming tonight and 
Father Jenkins had heard and maybe mentioned a term that I'd never heard before. I've been keeping a decent eye on this, so I have to believe a lot of people haven't heard this term or, or seen it because mm -hmm. it was new to me. And the term is the cytokine storm, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So let me, this is Dr. Ted. You might want to spell that for the people. Yeah, it's C-Y-T-O-K-I-N-E, mm -hmm. storm. And Dr. Ted Noel, who um, I believe it says he's retired, but he worked in uh, intensive care for decades. And he wrote a column called COVID-19 Never Killed Anybody. And um, I just want to read a couple paragraphs in. He says, he says, in other places I've discussed how masks do no good and can actually cause harm. And those were his prior columns that he'd written. Others have discussed how the actual data on mortality and case count are vastly inflated, as we just were, were saying. But this completely misses a couple of very important points. First, COVID-19 doesn't kill people. Next paragraph, he says, there, I've gone and said it again. <laughs> That's a very important, there's a very important reason for this conclusion. If all you get is the Wuhan flu, you may get a bit sick, but you won't even need to go to the hospital. You'll get over it. That's because you don't get a cytokine storm. And from thereafter, he refers to it as CS. He says, in plain English, CS is a different disease process. It's an uncontrolled release of signaling molecules that engage the immune system at ludicrous speed. A number of different infections can trigger it. An infection is needed before the storm can start, but the storm is a different process. Once it's underway, it drives the train. We know that the risk of dying from CS following COVID-19 in Florida, if you are under age 25, is 0.02%. But if you are over 85, it is 24.5%. And that's from the, the, the Florida Department of Health as of mm -hmm. July 6th, just last week. Mm -hmm. That's 1,225 times difference in risk it proves that something else is in play. The infection is necessary, but it's not sufficient. CS requires something more than just infection, such as COVID-19, SARS, or H5N1 flu. In general, age and infirmity are correlated with bad outcomes, but we don't know in any detail what factor within those categories is needed. What we do know is that the interventions that work don't have all that much to do with antiviral effects. Mm -hmm. And then he goes on to say multiple studies have shown that hydrochloroquine mm -hmm. works to reduce severity and duration of the infection complex, which is the COVID plus the CS, if given at the earlier stages of the disease. So that's, where, that's why hydrochloroquine apparently from the beginning mm -hmm. was seen as something that works. Mm -hmm. Anyway, he goes on, I don't want to read the whole thing, he goes on down. But um, this gets then leads into something we talked about also about the just recent developments in the state of Kentucky. Mm -hmm. if, if I may, the hydroxychloroquine, as I understand it, and other things that they say, like corticosteroids and so on, they all seem to uh, move in the direction, they all seem to contribute to, to beating back this cytokine storm. That's right. They all seem to have that in common, which is why they... 
they help a person who's you know really an extremist who's really suffering this massive uh, overreaction of the immune system which is actually killing killing the person which is why all the vulnerable people with the underlying diseases are the ones that are dying that react it's just obvious yeah clear right. you'd think it would be obvious right you? but, it, but the, why are they politically trying to stifle these well, th this is what gets these me. things from being treated this is what you know i got angry as i read this yesterday because i thought why am i this should be at the center of the information we're getting right no. this should be at the center of the debate and, and the reason it's significant here and leading into the, what's gone on in Kentucky just in the last 24 hours is that, if, if I can just finish, finish reading what he said. So he's, at one point he says, the disease that kills people is CS, not COVID-19. That's uh -huh. the obvious conclusion. Then he says, this tells, us, this tells us that we need to be concerned with CS, not Wuhan flu. But CS can come from a number of infections not just Wuhan flu, and it seems to happen almost exclusively in the elderly and infirm. So a focus on stopping Wuhan flu is misguided. We need lots of young people to get and recover from COVID-19 infection. Their immunity will help protect the rest of us. For them, COVID-19 is just a common cold or less. In Florida, under age 25, there have been exactly eight deaths related to COVID-19. That means we need to reopen all schools ASAP. Even if those kids get infected, they'll get over it, and they don't often pass it on. So, <laughs> now, this is, why is... Now here's one voice. Here's one voice. In the medical field, right? But there are others who agree with that. And it makes sense. And this is the thing. As you read that down, you say, okay, now this I understand. This makes sense. But you hear from the rest is just a lot of babble, it yeah. seems. Well, and again, we learn from reading an article like this that the government's not being straight with us, mm -hmm. or this would be part of the dialogue. Mm -hmm. Now, look, maybe this guy's not right about everything. Maybe, maybe there's a counterweight to some of this. Let's hear it. Mm -hmm. But it's just completely suppressed. Right. It's, it's suppressed. So, anyway, that feeding into the Kentucky thing, yeah. uh, you know, that uh, so. Not only is that suppressed, but hydroxychloroquine is suppressed. Yes. And right? attacked. By it attacked. It's a political decision, <laughs> yes. yes. Right. Governors yeah. are, are making the yeah. decision, right? Who are they to make yeah. this decision? Well, well, Trump was attacked as being completely irresponsible mm -hmm. for suggesting that when the CDC or the. Um, not the CDC, was it the other uh, the one that the, the FDA maybe had not approved that. Oh, okay. It was approved for other things for decades, but it wasn't right. approved for this. Mm -hmm. So even though it appeared to be helping, Trump was attacked for saying, oh, we maybe ought to take some of this. And he's responsible yeah. for the deaths of thousands <laughs> yeah. and thousands of people. Yeah, for this. right. So, 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 the, so this plays into the Kentucky thing for me for this reason, mm -hmm. is that Governor Bashir in Kentucky has thrown out uh, the, the statewide mask requirement mm -hmm. and 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 some other requirements that for which he was sued in the last 48 hours mm -hmm. and judge rick brueggemann in boone county kentucky issued a statewide injunction against the enforcement of a, a, a number of his things but some of it still apparently is ready to go into effect and Governor Bashir, of course, in part of the comments that I read, he's talking about the kids, talking about protecting the kids, the, the school kids and all that. Yeah, like, but once again, where is the science for that? And we've just heard some science that says the school kids do not need to be the target 
for our concerns. They're going to be okay, right? Because they, they don't have the CS syndrome. Mm -hmm. But where's the science? Nowhere. You just have a governor basically, you know, again, caring about the children, mm -hmm. just like all the pro-abortion politicians care about the all children. All politics, all yeah. politics. Yeah, where's the science behind Governor Bashir's concern for school kids? I'd like to see someone in Kentucky defend that. Mm -hmm. Well, the same with Whit Whitmer in Michigan and the rest of them, right? And um, it's, uh, at what point is it criminal? Because you're actually, I mean, the ones who are accusing, let's say, President Trump of being responsible for the deaths of all of these people. And uh, at, at what point is it criminal that those who are making those accusations are actually the ones who are driving the politics of this and are attacking people's health in the name of health? I mean, we have the interim uh, director of health here in Ohio now who's issued this decree that in these certain counties that are like red counties is in terms of the number of new cases, that people have to wear these these face masks, right? Except in private residences, they have to wear these these face masks if they're indoors, in anything but a private residence. And as you say, where is the science of this? To this, there are those who are actually very well credentialed medical personnel who are saying this is this is actually uh, dangerous and, and 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 very counterproductive to people's health, right? And so. Um, what, what mechanism do we have to defend ourselves? You mentioned, you know, take them to the court. It's all we can do to, to force them to produce the, the evidence. But who would be the, who would judge this even? Would it be a federal judge who would, who would stand up and judge this? Would it be a jury? Uh, who's going to pass oh, judgment it's on It's probably going to be judge. I mean, it could be federal or a state court judge. I think either, either state court system or the federal court system could have jurisdiction over something like this. Um, but it's going to normally be a judge because when you're when you're looking for injunctions, you're looking for a court order mm -hmm. to stop that. Okay. That that does not go into effect. Juries, that's not <laughs> for juries ever. Right. So injunctions are issued by judges. Mm -hmm. um, but just picking up on the masking, just for the for the viewers' benefit here, this uh, this piece that I read from from uh, Dr. Ted Noel, it linked in that article to two previous ones that he did talking about masks, the benefits, the dangers of the ineffectiveness of masks. And both of those, um, one of them was from a pretty well-known conservative website called Town Hall. And another one was from one called American Thinker. So if people wanted to go search for those articles, uh, they're worth reading. I mean, they, you know, you just don't hear it in the mainstream media. And you think mm -hmm. this is the and that's why I'm saying to get doctor. I'd like Dr. Noel to be my expert in a court case. <laughs> bring bring him in and say, mm -hmm. let him start talking and let the governor justify his masks after mm -hmm. Dr. Noel's done testifying. Mm -hmm. That's what really needs to happen, I think, for this. Yeah. Um, so, well, there are plenty of others. And, uh, you know, credentialed epidemiologists yes. and others who are testing going in favor of this. And they're horrified by, by what's coming down the pike there uh, from the politicians in the name of science, in the name of medicine. Right. Right. And they're being drowned out and dismissed. But, uh, you know, as far as the, the, the faith goes, I mean, as far as our Catholic faith goes, we're taught to respect authority. We're taught to respect authority and to hearken to that and to obey. And we accept that. Okay. But when you have something that is manifestly contrary to the common good, 
that is just being used or abused, authority being abused to impose upon the population things that are actually very bad for them, not only their own personal health, but the whole society, undermining the entire society. I mean, you, you have something that really, um, for a Catholic, says, I have an obligation to speak out. I have an obligation to resist what I know is an attack not only on my own health and the health of my loved ones, I have an obligation to, to resist what is actually attacking my, my society, my, my, my nation, my state. My, uh, it's time that people began to, to, to rise up about this. I, I see out there a lot, of, a lot of frustration on the part of people who realize uh, that we're being led down the primrose path by our, our politicians. Some of them, I'm afraid, are just... Um, blindly following along and just accepting whatever you know the official cnn report mm -hmm. says right so they get the, they get msnbc that's where they get their information that's it and uh, but um the um you know there are others who are definitely who are definitely cooking the books as you say and just falsifying things and playing politics in the name of medicine um so you know, it's important for us to know what, what legal avenues we have. We're not going to take to the streets and we're not going to uh, have these peaceful riots, right? <laughs> we're not going to have peaceful riots that we've told them that are perfectly okay and actually encouraged by the same politicians who are saying you can't sing hymns in church, but you can go <laughs> yell and curse in a policeman's face, uh, face right, on the, on the street. That's perfectly, that's, that's free expression. We encourage that, okay? She can't sing a hymn to God, right? Um, the, people need to know what legal recourse they have, and they need to start getting together and, and, and pursuing these things. Right, right. And, you know, I was in Columbus uh, with a good activist friend of mine uh, a week or so ago, and he's and kind of the outskirts of Columbus. Mm -hmm. And he said, let me, let me drive you down, down to the state house, drive around the mm -hmm. state house. And just the, the, the city block, the big broad street and high street right around the, the I and mean, the state house was boarded up. I mean, huge windows in the state house were bashed mm -hmm. in. Almost every store and shop and office building, everything all around, mm -hmm. all of it. All, I mean, the damage done to downtown Columbus by the Black Lives Matter crowd is just astonishing. Mm -hmm. And apparently there were very few prosecutions that I, I think they let a lot of them go just. Mm -hmm. No prosecutions. I, I personally said I, I do have some clients who think that those kinds of things should happen to abortion clinics, mm -hmm. and I'm just glad to know they're not going to be prosecuting anybody. That, <laughs> mm -hmm. Well, yeah. well, if if I if they tried to close the churches, but I said, well, these people are gathering to have a riot <laughs> or to protest, right? right? Then they couldn't touch right. them. Okay. It's a massive protest. Right. It's yeah. a massive protest, right? What are they protesting? They're protesting original sin. <laughs> that's what they're here. And uh, uh, that would be, what, what can you say? I mean, it, it's just uh, dishonesty of the crassest, crassest. You've got Governor Cuomo in New York who ordered the COVID-19 patient, uh, elderly, into the, into the nursing homes. They couldn't refuse them. Okay? They had to open the doors and let them in. And they now calculate that it's, re it's responsible directly for about 6,000 deaths right there in the nursing homes there. 
I don't know how they figure that, but this is what we're hearing now. And he gets a pass. It doesn't count. And he, all they have to say, well, it's just, that's just politics. We don't, we don't listen to that, okay? But it's, they're all about politics, that, that everything they do is dictated by politics. <clears throat> and I wonder, don't, don't people who've lost loved ones in New York because of that policy, <clears throat> don't they have recourse here against well, the, for the wrongful death of their loved ones? Very good question, and let me answer it this way. The states, uh, there's a principle called sovereign immunity that all of the 50 states had by creation of the states. It it's, it's, it's goes back to the old maxim, you can't sue the king. Mm. And so all states, and, and usually the state employees, the governor acting for the state, will have total, would have totally, total immunity. Now, I think over the years what's developed, probably because of maybe political outcry, is that, and there is one in Ohio called the Court of Claims that sits up in Columbus, and you can sue the state. The, the state has waived its sovereign immunity mm -hmm. under certain circumstances. You can get at the deep pocket of the state. And a lot of states, I think, have that. To me, if there's such a waiver of sovereign immunity in New York that would make the state liable for some things, I'm quite frankly surprised suits haven't been filed already. Mm -hmm. Because it sounds like there's a great case to be made that, that the official decisions of the governor of New York were directly responsible for the deaths of hundreds of people mm -hmm. or more, thousands. Mm -hmm. I, I'm, I, if a class action isn't coming down the pike, I'll be shocked. Mm -hmm. Unless New York has not waived its sovereign immunity. Mm -hmm. So we'll, we'll see. I've not researched that. but It's funny. We, we, we had a war of independence, right? And we decided we didn't have a king. Right. But... But we want, yes, we still want them to have the prerogatives of a king in some ways. Well, yeah? uh, uh, again, uh, if, if, if ever we did a show just on the immunities that are available to government officials mm -hmm. in this country, it would, it would infuriate the viewers. <laughs> At the same time now, there are areas, there are some parts of the country that want to make assaulting a police officer a misdemeanor. <laughs> right. Inconceivable. 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 Uh, I, let me close my what I have to say with these two more points sure. about government that that we've learned here that, that we've witnessed mm -hmm. through this in the United States. The first is, and I remember when Trump did it, I thought, boy, this is beautiful. I'm glad he's saying this. When when they were looking at they were looking to him for policy on shutdowns, mm -hmm. and he said, it's not it's not my job to run the states. It's up to the governors. So this was federalism at work, where mm -hmm. the individual states. And the governors make policy for their own states. You don't look for the, to the federal government for everything, even though mm. often they do. Trump was, that, Trump was well advised when he said, I'm not the one that's going to make shutdown policies. So we're seeing it play out. And I think for the better, in this sense, we're seeing it's really shown how the, the liberal Democrat governors are just so way out there. I mean, so tyrannical. I mean, they've really, the mask has been ripped off on them. And uh, so people like so the governor of Michigan and the governor of Kentucky, my guess, they're going to have a heck of a time getting reelected because it's mm -hmm. their policies. It's not Trump's policies. Mm -hmm. So that's that's one thing. The other thing, looking at the article on the Kentucky case where the injunction was issued, um, I noticed that one of the things invoked, and I don't think there's something quite this good in the Ohio Constitution, but, our, but Section 2 of the Kentucky Constitution 
And this is what the, I think the Republican Attorney General who joined the case against Governor Bashir invoked this. Section two of the Kentucky Constitution says, absolute and arbitrary power over the lives, liberty, and property of free men exists nowhere in the Republic, not even in the largest majority. So that is a tremendous statement mm -hmm. against arbitrary and absolute power. Mm -hmm. And in the lawsuit, Bashir was accused of violating this with his statewide orders mm -hmm. of a, so it's good to that's good to see that stuff. It is right? it is good to see that. Wow. But that we're in the Ohio Constitution. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, we probably need to move for an amendment to get that in there. I don't think there's a, anything in the Ohio Constitution quite that strong. Yeah. That, that's good stuff there. Wow. Well, it is, and it's perfectly consistent with Catholic the Catholic faith too. Um, and that's what we need. I mean, we need to stand on uh, all that is good in our Constitution and in our Declaration of Independence. We need to constantly, you know, refer to that now uh, in terms of, um, you know, what what is consistent with our faith. We, we need to take our stand on that. And, uh, you know, all of this, we look at it from the spiritual, spiritual point of view, of course. It comes down to the fact that uh, uh, we have to... Um, be worthy of liberty, you know, if, if one could be worthy of liberty, it's only it's only because that person is responsible before God for his for his behavior, for his actions. And uh, this is all this is all the result of corruption, uh, corruption of the 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 corruption of the body politic always starts from the corruption of the morality of the people. That's where it begins to fail. And uh, the morality of, of the American people has been so eroded, um, and, and deliberately so. I mean, it's not an accident. I mean, we've been, we have been, uh, it's been under assault. Our moral principles have been under assault. Cultural Marxism, whatever you want to call it, it is, it, it is what it is. And that is that there are those who are who are actually hell-bent on destroying every moral principle, making every vice virtue, and every virtue vice now, to completely subvert, subvert the moral order. That is why we are where we are right now. And we have to address that. Yeah, Father, you know, I remember learning as a school kid about the, the demise of the Roman Empire hmm. and how it collapsed because of the corruption and the immorality of the people. Mm -hmm. And I remember thinking at an innocent kid, whatever age I was, you know, why didn't the good people rise up and stop that? Mm -hmm. You know, and now I'm sitting here in my older years <laughs> understanding it's very hard to stop <laughs> once it gets rolling. Mm -hmm. We're sitting here, well, how do we stop this? We've been seeing it for three decades now, four decades. Mm -hmm. If, 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 we, if, the, if the moment of truth was Roe versus Wade in 1973 when it really yeah. turned the corner, for 40 years we've been trying to stop, but it's hard to stop once, once it gets rolling. Yes, but already there was so much corruption. Why, what was it that paralyzed the people and prevented them from, from acting decisively in that? Well, for one thing, the American bishops, Vatican II, had struck 10 years before. And uh, the corruption of the, uh, the hierarchy through Vatican II, I mean, it, it, was, it was appalling. They were afraid to step forward and say, this is what our Catholic faith stands for. 
they wanted to make it an ecumenical thing because they didn't, whenever anybody said, oh, this is a Catholic issue, they immediately folded and said, oh, you can't say it's a Catholic issue. No, we stand with our Orthodox Jewish brethren. We stand with our, you know, these, you, whatever you do, don't say it's a Catholic issue. Whereas what they should have said, if they were really Catholic bishops, it certainly is a Catholic issue. That's exactly what it is because the Catholic Church is the one true church. And we stand on that, but that's exactly what they didn't say. That, that's where the, the betrayal goes, goes, back, goes back to the very beginning, right after Vatican II. They basically folded immediately. They folded the whole idea that, that the Catholic Church is the one true church founded by the one true Son of the one true God. Suddenly, not only did they, were they afraid to say it, they were against saying it. And anyone who did say that, they would immediately shove him down. This is the Novus Ordo bishops, the bishops of Vatican II. And that is why we're in the situation right now. I mean, it, it goes right back to them, every single one of them who didn't have the gumption to stand up. I remember hearing the story about one of the uh, meetings of the bishops, you know, the uh, Conference of Catholic Bishops. Uh, uh, Bishop Badera, who was of, um, getting, I'm getting the name wrong, I'm sorry, um, but of Boston, okay? Anyway, very, very conservative bishop at the time, stood up and uh, he began to talk about the necessity of fighting this abortion battle with, with great courage and how those who are actually seeking the death of these children, wanting to allow these children to be aborted, uh, were like Herod. They're just modern day Herods. And uh, I think it was Bishop Mendes who pointed this out, that the bishops who were present there at first just tolerated his talking and then they started actually uh, basically um, rudely telling him to shut up essentially and he said what happened was one of them began to take take a spoon and, and smack it on the glass there and clink 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 and they all picked it up and suddenly the room was filled with this sound as he was talking about the evil of abortion and how the bishops had to stand up and not be such cowards. Wow. And, uh, but they basically just told him, we don't want to hear you. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't want to hear this. So um, I, I, I hold them responsible for the condition of the church and the condition of the country right now. Father, I'm compelled to tell a story based on that. Okay. <laughs> I'm still okay on time. How far? Get, getting close. You know, uh, Oh, back in the 1990s, probably, there was a, the, the, the Novus Ordo Catholics uh, that were commonly protesting at the abortion clinic started a mass, uh, a mass on Saturday mornings right down, about 200 yards down the street from Planned Parenthood on Auburn Avenue called the, uh, the Mass of the Precious Infants. And they started one, one Saturday a month and they would have mass and, and always a good pro-life sermon from a priest. And then they'd go down to Planned Parenthood, pray the rosary and be there a good hour or more. Then that picked up to maybe twice a month. It, it became quite popular, very well attended. And I went down a number of times, my wife and I did. One week in the newspaper said, uh, Bishop Pelargic is going to go down to the mass of the precious in infants. And he was gonna go down and give a homily. And, and it was fascinating to me that 
the crowd there and the crowd outside Planned Parenthood after mass that morning was, I would say, quadruple the normal number. I thought here, all it took was a little publicity that the bishop was going down. Mm -hmm. And Catholics came out from everywhere that never would have mm -hmm. gone down there. Mm -hmm. And I, I never saw a more striking example in my life of just, just the power of having a bishop come forward and act. Mm -hmm. I, I've always remembered that. That was 30 years ago almost. Mm -hmm. People crave leadership. Yeah. They really do. They're ready to follow. But... The leadership isn't there. <laughs> that's 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 the criminal failure of the of the leadership, really. Yeah. So we have to pray for that. We have to pray for that. But not only pray for it, but we need people who are actually willing to accept that and step forward. But it, it puts themselves at risk and they have to have a great deal of love for God to be willing to, to brave that because these days if somebody steps forward, you you know very well if they step forward and uh, they, they take a leadership role in standing up and facing this and resisting it. They're, they are going to be vilified, attacked in, in every way, right? But they have to have a great love for God to be willing to do that. Uh, the, if, if it isn't done out of love for God, there's got to be, um, they've got to be out of their minds. You know? <laughs> uh, it's got to be pure narcissism, I guess. But uh, but that isn't going to end well. The only leadership that is going to be adequate, really going to accomplish any good, is leadership that is motivated by love for God. And that makes it invincible. So uh, that's what we have to pray for. Yeah. We need to be cultivating that leadership in our youngsters these days. But we have to set the example. I mean, if our, if our fathers want their, want their sons and their daughters to be leaders going into the next generation, those fathers and mothers have to be those leaders today to show those children what they want them to do. They have to set the example for them. So uh, we have to, have to seek that fortitude and ask God for that grace. Yep, absolutely. Well, uh, I think uh, that's a perfect point to end on, Father. This has been a, a fascinating program. So thank, thank you both for being here tonight. Sure, I'm sure there's uh, still a lot, lot more developments to come, uh, of course. So we'll keep an eye on those and uh, keep everyone up to date. So thank you both for being here tonight. You're welcome. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thanks to all of our viewers as well for watching this episode of What Catholics Believe. Until next time, we ask that you all remember the words of Our Lady at Fatima to consecrate yourselves and your families to the Immaculate Heart of Mary and to pray and do penance. Thank you and God bless you.